With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Baby shark doot doot. Doo doot doot. Baby shark doot doot. Doo doot doot. Baby shark doot doot. Doo doot doot. Baby shark. Shark attack doot doot. Doo doot doot. Shark attack doot doot. Well, if your schlock is like a shark fin, then you are in the right place because, well, you'd have to watch a lot of these to even understand what I'm talking about, or you'd have to definitely watch the movie that we are talking about this week, Deep Blue Sea, a 1999 action thriller about sharks that is right we are continuing our shark month special i am darby ellis lewis wilson this is chris anonymous and below me is uh our special guest lance the obscure movie guy all the way from the lance the obscure movie guy uh youtube channel and podcast that's right i said below me not something else uh what is up, guys? It's good to see you again. And Lance, I'm impressed that you are still sticking out with us. Uh, we were just talking about how we are on, uh, what, this is our fourth movie, our audience pick. Thank you to everyone, by the way, for uh, for going on to Instagram and going on to uh, Lance's page on Facebook and doing all the voting. Anyways, guys, I have a very important question for you, uh, an icebreaker. No, don't, all ears. don't want to. Okay, okay, here we go. Sorry, I, I don't I don't want to talk all the time. I, I wanted to open up the floor for you to agree with me. Um I agree. Oh, all right. Okay. It's all consensual. Okay, very important question that popped into my head while I was watching this movie. Uh do you guys, when you watch movies where people are uh swimming underwater and there's like an intense something intense going on, right? We got to swim a hundred yards or something. Do you ever hold your breath in the movie? uh, Like while the movie is happening to see if you could, if you could do it. (laughs) I, uh, I I can't say that I hold my breath while they're swimming. (laughs) That might might be a you thing. Yeah. I I have, I have never done that. Maybe as a kid, if someone was, it was like, Hey, I bet you can't hold your breath as long as that guy in the movie. You know, I want you to watch, uh, I don't know, is it Mission Impossible 5 or (laughs) 6? Yeah, I don't know. Where he holds his breath for like seven minutes or something like that. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, crazy record. But No, when they were trying to get the bilge pumps going in this, I was uh, 
I was like, see our warrant. Can I do is it even possible? <laughs> so well, I, I think with enough training, uh, it can be done. Training is the key, Darby. You you, you have That's, to assume that these actors are portraying professional divers who have the training to hold their breath possibly slightly a smidge longer than you not that you can't hold it for a long time that's how i train i I just watch these movies my my fat ass isn't going to be able to hold my breath (laughs) and swim hips watching the movie (laughs) so uh yeah this movie uh, like i said it was our audience pick uh people i think were very excited about this uh on instagram it was pretty neck and neck with uh the shallows but on Lance's page, uh, I don't think anybody voted for anything other than Deep it was, Blue Sea. People love this movie. Deep Blue Sea. Everybody <laughs> voted voted for Deep Blue Sea. So they all better freaking watch the episode on YouTube tomorrow. Yeah, right. All, all <laughs> six of you, I think, that, that did it. Uh, some of them may have doubled up, though. Maybe they were double dipping. Uh, so this movie, I... I I have a lot to talk about and I, I just don't even know where to start. Um, apparently it costs somewhere between 60 and $80 million, but it brought in a whopping $165 million. Uh, I think it's, I think it's relatively low budget for what it was trying to achieve uh, and kind of looking at the background of this movie, you can see that, yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of mistakes in it. A lot of like continuity errors. They had to do some reshoots. Um, uh, it, it's behind the scenes, from my point of view, it looks like maybe it was a bit of a mess or maybe a nicer way to put it, uh, a work in progress, like as it was being made. Um so, yeah, uh, I don't want to waste a whole bunch of time on the intro. The way we do this show is we talk about the good, we talk about the bad, and then we talk about the schlock. And that's where we really get into discussion. And I have just a ton of stuff to throw into the schlock. Uh, but first, well, first, first things first, I need you guys to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you are listening to it on a podcast, make sure you rate it. Just let us know that you are here so that we can feel the love and we can send some love back to you. Uh, But now we want to know, have we seen these people before? Where are they coming from? Where are they going to? In a little segment that we call the Web of Schlock, Chris, hit me up. And there's a lot of people in this. So we'll just kind of touch a little bit because there's so much. Uh, Thomas Jane, this was one of his breakout roles. Um, he was in Boogie Nights before this. You might have seen him uh, in The Mist. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Great actor. Uh, really, really love whenever he's in a film. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, of course. We've we've seen him a hundred times. We'll see him a hundred times more. And he's always, always amazing. <laughs> Um, the, uh, the female lead Saffron Burroughs, I remember her from a recurring role in the uh, Netflix show you that was, that's still going on right now. Um, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, we've seen him many times, um, Goodwill hunting. Uh, he's just kind of that face that always, uh, shows up, uh, Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, Andor, I mean, just Dune, 
all of these people have, uh, I think they're connected to the Marvel universe somehow. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, the, the woman in the, in the tower on the, on the, uh, intercom, uh, Ada Tuturo, uh, she went on to play, uh, Jenny Soprano in the Sopranos. Okay. And then, uh, Michael, uh, Rappaport, another great actor that you see in, in tons of movies from the nineties. Um, I loved him in true romance. Uh, that was just a great film he was in, but he's just one of those, uh, character actors that you see a lot. And then of course, uh, the one and only LL Cool J, uh, who was having quite a little, uh, acting, acting little thing at this time. Cause right before this, he did uh, Halloween H2O. Yeah. Yep. So, and, uh, and wasn't he in like a rom-com or something around this time mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. He was just a lot of, it seemed like a lot of hip hop artists uh, in the nineties. I think they still do it today, but it seemed like there was this thing in like mid to late nineties where a lot yeah. of hip hop artists transitioned into almost more of an acting career than mm-hmm. even a balance. But I think this is when like ice cube went into uh, Anaconda. Yep. Yeah. That would have been 96. So yeah, around the same time. Okay. Um, and then, so behind the scenes, we, the writers, uh, Duncan Kennedy, who I think wrote one of the first drafts. I'm not hundred percent sure. He doesn't have a lot of other credits. And the only other two credited writers, uh, were a, a husband and wife, uh, Donna and Wayne powers. And I don't think they're together anymore, but they had a uh, Valentine after this, okay. they wrote the script for that. And then the Italian job. And then, uh, they just kind of have some other credits before and after, but those were kind of the main things, but now interesting. The meat of it is the director, Renee Harland, who I love. Uh, he, he did so many great films in the 90s. He's, he's still making movies, but he did two of my favorite action movies of the 90s, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight and Cliffhanger. Nice. Uh, yes. Yeah. And there's some very cliffhanger-y uh, moments in there. Shots, moments. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's, it's really nice. I think he's a solid action director. I think he's a solid director, but it's, it's cool seeing that even though this movie does seem like a bit of a mess, especially because of uh, rewrites and edits and different things going on, there's, there's still that through line of like, when it delivers on action, it really delivers. Yeah. So that's for it sure. for Web of Schlock. Yeah. Well, uh, just fair warning. We are going to spoil this movie uh, and probably any other movies. So Sorry, but stick around because it will be worth it. Uh, let's get into our good and bad. I personally don't, I, I didn't write anything good down about it. Not because I didn't like it, but because I think it's generally a good movie. Uh, I mean, I think when it needs to have action, it has good action. When it needs to have good suspense, it has good suspense. Um, it, it's an engaging movie all the way through. And I, I can see why many people like it. Uh, this movie spawned like two sequels from it. So I, I, I get it. I, I see why people like it. Uh, but I, I want to pass it off to Lance. Lance, tell us what are your goods? And then, and then we'll move on to uh, some bad after that. Well, I, I think, um, I think, I think like you said, it, overall, it's a, it's a fairly good movie. Um, but I mean, some of the highlights some of the highlights for me is one, the practical special effects in the movie uh, were actually really well done. Um, you can see that when they're working on the shark skulls and trying to operate in the brain and, you know, just the overall 
ambiance of the underground water station and underground water base, it all looked really legit and really good. So the practical special effects were really nice. And I think one of the things that I really do appreciate about this movie overall is that it's like once in a generation, we get a good shark movie. So like you had Jaws and then like you have Deep Blue Sea and then like we got the Meg for this generation. So it's like, I like the fact that they were, it's a good <laughs> shark movie where there's so many subpar shark movies in between those generations. So I like the fact that they were able to kind of bring sharks back to the forefront and be like, hey, remember when yeah. Jaws and there's a few obviously you know there's a few obvious jaws you know segues in there a little bit that you know i mean it blew shark at the end like apparently that's the only way to kill a shark is to blow it up (laughs) well you know so apparently the way the sharks are killed uh is the same way the sharks are killed in in order of jaws one two and three the first one's blown up then electrocuted um and then incinerated i guess i don't know yeah so that's a funny trick but yeah, it, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it's so there's a lot of nods to the old original mm-hmm. stuff, but they still tried to keep it. I don't want to say they tried to keep it as original as possible, but they tried to make it stand on its own two legs. Yeah, definitely. They 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 set up. Uh, we we talked about this uh, last time, kind of the homages, but they did it in a way to try and and put their own twist onto it or subvert it in some way. I think the other that I really like about this movie is that um, it's an ensemble cast. That's kind of, for me, it, I can relate it to like predator where like you have all these people and really none of them are safe. You don't know mm-hmm. who's going to kill when, why, or how. So anybody that's a character in the movie is essentially susceptible to not making it through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the same thing with like predator with the exception. You knew Schwarzenegger was going to make it to the end because <laughs> it's awful, but Everybody else in between, you'd have no idea what's going to happen to them as an ensemble cast. So I thought that was really cool. Nobody was safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you have? Yeah, uh, a lot of the same with both of you. I think one of my major goods is that it's fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Um, the cast, I think the cast is great. And I also, piggybacking off of Lance's, I love the ensemble feel. And for better and for worse, what happened with the rewrites and the and the recutting is that like there really isn't a main character. You could say Thomas Jane is the main character, but then like the protagonist at the end is LL Cool J. But at one point in time, it was going to be the Saffron Burroughs character, but they went and after test audiences uh, hated it that she lived, went back and shot it so that she was killed. Because they thought that her character deserved uh, that because of creating the sharks in the first place. So there's this really cool like through line where it's almost like a passing of the baton on who is your main character at any Mm. given time. Because LL Cool J is somewhere else for most of the movie and then he comes in. So he's like the lead of this B plot that almost takes over. Mm -hmm. And uh, also uh, what Lance said that I really like is you didn't know who was safe. There wasn't a giant name in this film at this time, but Samuel L was probably the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. But he still yeah, wasn't sure. like he's, he still wasn't as huge as he is now. I mean, he was definitely the biggest star in that film at that time, but he still wasn't like the Samuel L we know now, 
But what was cool is if he was the biggest actor in that film, they kill him off. Totally shocking. And it totally sets you up for like, you don't know what's going to happen next. If, if the biggest name in it is going to get killed halfway through and it's right after a rousing speech, which is hilarious, then all bets are off. So I think that coupled with the, the, <laughs> the rewrites and reshoots really made for an interesting narrative that shouldn't work, but it pretty much kind of does work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like that. That's my good is that it, it all right. The, uh, the whole is greater than the, than the sum of the parts in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good way to, to put it. Um, Cause I, I am going to, once we get into our bed, I'm going to say a lot of the same stuff, but it's bad. Uh, <clears throat> uh, interestingly enough, LL Cool J, uh, I think he's probably the protagonist because he, he, yeah. he kills two of the three sharks. Yep. Hands down. So, uh, and, and maybe has like the biggest like character arc backstory. And is the most likable character and has <laughs> some of the best lines and he's got a parrot and um, yeah, <laughs> definitely the most memorable character in it for sure. Uh, sure. So let's move on to bad uh, Lance. Tell me everything you hate about this movie. Um, I mean, I don't hate a whole lot about this movie. Um, as good as the practical special effects were, the CGI was that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which what it did not mesh well with the practical special effects because you have these really good special effects these really cheesy cgi sharks which they may have been good at the time but they have not aged well um and the other thing that it's not really bad but it's hard to ignore the parallels that this movie shares with jurassic park you know, yeah. it's a very similar, you know, you have the ultra intelligent raptors chasing a group of people versus ultra intelligent sharks. You know, you've got this Jurassic Park scientific lab versus, you know, the sea lab. They're both taken out by a storm. So it's mm-hmm. very hard to ignore those parallels when you're watching the movie. It does eventually separate itself from that Jurassic Park type-ish feel, but it took me a little while to be like, well, this is just a Jurassic Park ripoff, you mm-hmm. know, but it does eventually set the tone that it is its own thing. And st- like I said earlier, it starts to stand on its own two legs. Yeah. Or it spins. <laughs> uh, Lance and I are just on the same page tonight. So the two things I have written in my bad column, the storm <laughs> and uh, I have sharks or water raptors. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and I, I think that that is like, that was a smart direction to take it. Well, one with the storm, I feel like a storm is just kind of, that is just like, that's a narrative, uh, just a, such a common narrative thing, right? Like it's a dark and stormy night. Like that is, that is just the way so many things start off, right? It's just such a good vehicle to get people trapped and to create like external conflict. So that didn't bug me as much. I, to me, it just felt like, of course there's going to be a storm. Like what else would there be? Why uh, wouldn't it be a storm? Yeah. A storm every night. In fact, why, 
why would you even be in that place? Because it would be so susceptible to storms. I don't know. I don't know how like those oil rig people do it. I'd just be terrified of a hurricane all of the time. Um, but, and the Jurassic Park thing, to me, that's sort of like, that's what was hot at the time, the, that type of story. And I think that uh, it's a good story. Why, why not? If you're, if you're trying to do something different with sharks, you're not trying to do Jaws again. What, what's, what's something else you can do? And at that so, time, like genetic testing was the hot thing. I'm fine with the, with the taking the story beats and the idea and taking it, but it was like when the two sharks are like lining up on each side of them, just like the Raptors where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like shot for shot. And then the scene in the kitchen and it's stalking like the Raptors stalking. I'm like, okay, guys, well, we know this is, you know, water, so, water Raptors, but like, it's a water. little too, too close. <laughs> There's your title water Raptors, <laughs> water Raptors, man, let's do it. Uh, so honestly, I thought it, it wasn't the introduction of, uh, thomas jane character but it it was kind of like a reintroduction of him when he swims with that tiger shark and he gets the license plate out of its mouth uh, uh something else from jaws uh i really thought that that would be kind of like you know take taking the thorn out of the lion's paw and that it would be like the uh Act like three the, weapon. the yeah the tyrannosaurus rex in jurassic park right that 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 tiger shark was going to come in and like make it so that they could get away or something. Um, but no, I think, I think they eat the tiger shark. They, they, they that, rip so him how, apart. Yeah. So it's, it's there to show how powerful they are instead. Yep. But if you're going to follow Jurassic Park, you got to give us the T-Rex moment because even though it doesn't make any sense at all, it is absolutely the best part of that movie. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, so my bads are there's a there's a few of them. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the buildup, uh, all all of the preamble of the story, I feel like it took quite a long time. And then once like our our conflict actually started, it started immediately. Just bam! Now, now we're in it. Now now everything's going wrong. Uh, and so I, I feel like maybe that was, a, a, I would say, a pacing issue. I, I would have a problem with that. Um, the backstories of the people. Like, like I said, I, I think LL Cool J's character probably has, like, the best backstory because it, like, actually pays off in some way. So while while I do like that Samuel L. Jackson, like, gets eaten, like, he, I think he's the first to get fully eaten, right? Uh, they do a, an awful lot with his backstory and I just can't help but feel like they did it purely for a joke. And so I feel like that's a bit of a betrayal for the audience. At least that's how I feel. I, I just wish that, like, I, I'm not saying I don't think he should have gotten eaten. I just think that like his backstory had nothing to I, do with anything. I, and they should have pulled it out some more. Let me let me step in real quick to agree with you on the backstory things. I had a problem with Thomas Jane's backstory, not with the backstory itself, but with the scene where where um, Samuel is confronting him about like how it's problematic that he works there because mm-hmm. he had some kind of checkered past. It feels like 
that's going to be part of the movie and it has nothing to do with anything. Right. Like I, I want all these characters to have backstories. I think it yeah. makes it for a more well-rounded character, but when you dwell on every character's backstory for so long, those scenes start to drag. And then like later mm-hmm. on, you're like, well, why did he, why was that even there? Well, I thought that the, uh, when, when Thomas Jane is talking to uh, the lady scientists, she, uh, it, it it feels like it sort of almost implies that he knows someone with Alzheimer's maybe. Um, like I think he says something like you, you don't have any, re- have any idea why I'm working here. Oh, or don't I? Yeah. And so it seems like that um, I was waiting for that to come out. Right. He has a, he has his own personal reasons to work there and not, you know, mess with the research or, or sell it to the highest bidder or whatever, but nope, it just, it just doesn't go anywhere. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. Yeah, and and that maybe goes with that whole pacing thing, right? They spend so much time building up these backstories mm-hmm. to not use them in it's, any way. Yeah. Um, let's see. The uh my third is that the the size, the intelligence, and the power of the sharks seem to j- change based on what they need for the story. Right. They're talking about how they can crash through these still doors. Um, but then when chef gets into the, into the oven, right. He's got a, the shark has to like continually bash into it to break open an oven, which I assume is not as strong as a steel door. It's a titanium oven. They made it yeah. out of the same stuff that the nets were made out of. <laughs> that the fence was made of maybe. Um, so the, just some inconsistencies like that. And, and like I said, there's a lot of things like that, uh, throughout the movie. Um, Let's see the, I like, I like it when movies have end credit songs in them. I, I think I've said that plenty of times. I love that when they explain to you exactly what happened in the movie. Don't put this <laughs> in your bed, bro. Don't put this in your bed. That is a dumb song. I love that song. Deepest, deepest bluest. My head is like a shark spoon. Here, so here's good. the thing. Here's the thing, man. They like, the the song was obviously made for the movie, but the metaphor is for a a person, right? Like the the hat, like a so someone someone like grinding it out in daily life to like get ahead or something, or or who's really tough, or I don't know what, whatever it's about. But uh, it, like. I, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to make the the song specifically for the movie, make it specifically about the movie. Right? Am I am I wrong here? You're wrong. You're completely <laughs> wrong. It's now, a pretty I pre- catchy tune. I prefer ones that that <clears throat> stick to the movie. I'll give you that. But there's something so cheesy and amazing about that song that it just makes me smile every time this movie ends wasn't it done by ll cool j as well yeah 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 in fact i think there's a music video for it well and that was like that thing that like a lot of those late 90 movies had the hip-hop artists Mm -hmm. making the song for the movie they were acting in you got you got men in black you got wild wild west Mm -hmm. trying to think of non uh non will smith examples uh, non Will Smith example, uh, Ninja Turtles, by, yeah, yeah, pretty Ninja sure, Turtles. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ja Rule did something for Fast and Furious, yeah, Ninja, uh, Ninja Rep, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, 
And DMX was doing a lot of stuff in the in the late nineties and early two thousands. You know, Romeo yep. Must Die. Yep. Yeah. So cradle so to the, the grave. Yeah, yeah. The hip hop <laughs> artist doing the song for the credits. Yeah. So you Do want the it? song Do to be called Deep Blue Sea. Sea. <laughs> yeah, I, deepest, bluest. The shark's fin is like a shark fin. I don't know. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't. It's it's yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean. Yeah, it's to each their own. Comment and tell me how I'm wrong. Uh, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> so, uh, I got two more bads. One is the forced love story, uh, where they keep every time like our two kind of main characters go off, someone makes some sort of comment about like, "Oh, you're off gallivanting around doing romance or whatever," and it's like these people, I'm pretty sure, like don't even like each other. But it, it, that's that's obviously something that has to be like a holdover, right? From from different. Well, they're at the party scene the in the beginning. At the party scene in the beginning, he's like, he's like, hey, you wanna you wanna go off together? Oh, that's she's right. Like, she's like, but I'm out here. It's got to be about work. Maybe some other time. So I do think there was a mutual attraction okay. there. But they were. But she was all about the the work. All always, right. Always forward. Always move forward right. like a shark. Yeah. All right. I, I take it back. Here's my last, my last bad. And it's just when I see obvious solutions in movies that like, here's if, if they just would have done this, like none of this would have ever happened. If, if you would have been, you know, a little competent, uh, you would have saved yourself an entire research facility and, and like 10 lives. Uh, they could have strapped the shark down a little bit better. They have like, they have uh, two straps on it. I'm pretty sure that's not like how you strap down. Like that's a, not standard for a genetically modified shark. No, it's a it's yeah. a five strap, five strap at least. Like maybe, yeah. maybe put something in its mouth. I I don't know. I would have I would have strapped the shark down, especially especially after they were showing like increasingly aggressive behavior, right? Like escaping and trying to eat a boat full of people. Swimming backwards. Swimming backwards, which I guess sharks can't do, which I guess I've never really thought about, but sort of makes sense. Uh, uh, they, they like a- attack the, uh, the shark cage or whatever when, when the like guy raptors. was going up. Yeah, yeah. Like raptors and then swim backwards. So I, I would think that, that they would maybe just put more than two pole straps on it. Right. Uh, all right. Yeah, that don't have a movie. <laughs> well, there, there we go. Uh, <laughs> many, many movies are are created because of incompetence. I think. That's true. So, <laughs> dumb, dumb people have have more exciting lives, I suppose. Uh, so let's let's move let's move into the schlock. If everybody's ready, I, I've ragged on it enough. Um, cause like I said, I, I do really like this movie. Um, and we talked about how it is close. It's very similar to Jurassic park, but I found this very interesting when I was reading up on it. They, it, this movie wasn't really intended necessarily to be like an action adventure, uh, movie. It was supposed to be closer to a horror movie in the vein of alien or aliens. Um, and and once I read that and I started thinking about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They have, 
they have kind of a lot of parallel scenes when he goes out into that shark cage area and everyone's gathered around the, uh, the monitor. Um, that is something in alien that gets repeated many times in different movies. Um, and, and I love that scene in any movie. Um, yeah. I mean, did you guys catch anything else from any other movies or did like, did that ever like, I mean, now that you're saying it, the alien stuff does track because I mean, it's, they're in an isolated facility, right? Ice mm-hmm. spaceship. Uh, and it's that idea of like narrow corridors and, and getting cut off from different directions. And it's very, there's a maze like part to both of them. Right. Yeah. And it has, uh, it has something that I, I don't know if this is, um, I don't know if this is sort of a difference between older movies and more modern current movies, or if it's something indicative of a horror movie, but the skeleton, the skeleton crew trope, right? Like it's in, instead of mass casualties, right? They, they could have had all, all of the people on the research base and the, all the, the shark squad. And yeah, sure. And so, all the people. And so if we're talking about Jurassic Park, right, that's that is that's Jurassic World. Uh, the dinosaurs get loose and they eat all of the tourists, right? The mass casualties. Whereas uh this is a skeleton crew, very much like Alien, very much like the original Jurassic Park, right? It's just enough people to keep the well, place running. You know, I think the skeleton crew is kind of like your dark and stormy night. Okay, like go I, th- on. I th- so a you have less actors, so it's just economical. It makes sense, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. easier to control. But it's also that idea of isolation, right? There's only a couple of us, and the power's going out. And so it, I think having a skeleton crew and seeing all the other people who might have better skills, who might be able to help you, who might have three more straps and not be incompetent, they all are gone. <laughs> Right. And so I think it's that idea of, of setting the tone and setting the mood and really just like getting into the, okay, it's creepy outside. There's only a couple of us here. So we really have to rely mm-hmm. on each other. And what if one of us is the bad guy? And what if, you know, so that's what I think it, that's that trope. And I really like that trope actually. Okay. I, yeah, I, mean, I like both when you start getting into it like that from a horror aspect, I mean, a, a lot of that stuff, like Chris said, it completely tracks not just with alien aliens, but like, mm-hmm. you know, that whole skeleton crew thing. I mean, that goes all the way back to like Friday the 13th, you know, it's just a small yeah. group of teenagers at the campground, you know, the, and as he said, dark and stormy night, you know, it's creepy outside. It's not exactly, comfy inside you know and and i think the thing that i think chris was kind of touched on is you don't know really who's the bad guy you know sharks are going to be bad guys Mm -hmm. but there always Mm -hmm. seems to be like one character that is kind of the asshole of the group right you know i think in this it was it was almost michael rapaport but they never really went full bore with that direction like kind of you know samuel jackson's speech was kind of leading up to that and then right as he got eaten, everybody was like, oh, shit, maybe we right. should ban him. You know, like, yeah. you know, uh, to keep going down this rabbit hole that you started, Darby, uh, you talking about Friday the 13th and stuff, Lance, really, that skeleton crew, the other thing it does that's really effective for storytelling is that you notice when someone goes missing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you have a huge group and someone is gone for an hour, 
who cares? They'll show up. Oh, they're over there. But when you have a handful of people and you haven't seen them forever, that's what makes you go outside and get attacked by, by Jason. That's what makes you go go, look for them. You've got to go look for them. So it it forces the other characters out of their comfort zone into the realm of the beast in in a much more uh, plausible way, in a much more plausible and timely way, because we're not going to sit there and watch watch them play monopoly for two hours Mm -hmm. just to finish the slasher movie although Mm -hmm. i might do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't they play monopoly in friday the 13th i think they do but like if we just stayed on them for the whole game and then continued (laughs) the movie (laughs) well so we we were kind of touching on um who's the bad guy and, and who's not the bad guy like who's the real monster and clearly i think in the end or or the test audiences felt like it was a uh, sapphire. What, what what's the character's name? Uh, uh, the character's Dr. name, Doctor. Um, man, Doctor Man. Doctor Man. It is. So, Mrs. Doctor Dr. Man, Susan, Doctor Susan, something. It's just saffron. Well, <laughs> well so so Doctor Mister Man Saffron, uh, like they they build her up so much as the bad guy. Um, the, the, the test audiences booed when she survived and she, she was supposed to survive. And I think maybe that love story was supposed to kind of play out in, in the end. Maybe I will go get that beer with you. Um, but they felt like they, they had to kill her because it's basically all her fault, uh, that this is even happening. I mean, I think there's an implication that, uh, Skarsgård's character probably helped. Helped. Yeah, with, with the genetic enhancement, and she just like maybe pushed him into it or something. But I mean, she's very clearly driven by something else at all costs. The the research at at all costs, and I thought that I thought that they could have done that better. In that, I, I do think clearly she can't live because she's done something that is so heinous that you can't come back from it in some way. And I think, I think that they didn't do it in the right way though. I think they tried to do it when she electrocuted the shark and we see that the, um, that the research is all burnt up. I think it would have been better had she been willing to sacrifice herself and hand off the research, right? The research is more important than my life. Uh, than anybody's life, but especially mine. And I think that is a would have been a more redeeming arc for her. Well, and I, I think it was too little too late because they didn't have, they only had so much money and time for a reshoot. Right. What was interesting in, in the little research I did, i.e. looking at factoids on IMDb, um, that evidently they took out, they cut a lot of her scenes where it showed the other side of her, where it showed her not being as bad, where it showed, mm-hmm. showed her being more human and more empathetic. So this version we're seeing, they've cut all that out. So we just get this, this version of her. That is the the worst version of her that you can get without <laughs> cutting in more scenes that you don't have. Right. So it's, it's interesting that like you wonder, so this isn't the version, the test, this isn't the version of her that the test audiences saw. It's not like they kept the mm-hmm. whole movie and then chose to kill her at the end. They went back and re-edited her scenes and cut a lot out to make her be even more villainous. So you wonder yeah. if showing that more human side of her 
and still having her be the reason that this whole thing's happening made the test audiences hate, hate her even more? Or was the <laughs> test audience just really vindictive that night? Like <laughs> I, I could have had her live. I didn't, I was okay either way, but well, I agree yeah, I with you that she to. needed. Well, yeah. Cause she's one of the few who gets a shark kill. It's weird that they didn't give one of the shark kills to Thomas Jane. Yeah, that, that was, uh, I thought really well, interesting. Well, I, go ahead. Well, here, here's my take on that whole scenario is that he, he is, he is the wrangler. He is the shark mm-hmm. wrangler, not necessarily a shark killer. So Mm-hmm. He's always going to have the mentality of trying to catch the shark versus trying to kill the shark. But to couple with that, with Jane's character and Saffron's character, I like the fact that when the movie starts, you kind of get this feeling that, you know, he's kind of got a dark past and he's kind of, you know, we don't, we're not too sure about that guy. And then she's like, she's the doctor she's trying to change the world and like as the movie goes on like you kind of get that role reversal people see her as the monster and thomas jane gets that little bit of redemption to come back and become the good guy so yeah that that is cool and it it almost did it like in a perfect progression where you know it almost synced you know at the same (laughs) time now good she's now bad i also like the way that i also like the way that they not didn't just kill her, but like the way they mostly kill just about everybody. There's no long drawn out dramatic deaths because that's not generally what happens when you're attacked by a shark. You're just going to be fucking dead. Sorry about the line. <laughs> you get well, one sharks, man. It's sharks, buddy. But I mean, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's no drawn out, like uh, you know, dramatic I'm dying. And you know, it's like, no, you <laughs> shark and you're gone. That's it. It's over. unless you're a little cool J. Right. Which, which at the time, for some reason, I don't know if it's in his contract that he's not allowed to be killed in a movie. Because <laughs> maybe, it died on, you know, he dodges a bullet in H2O. Like, he's, <laughs> he's got it in his contract somewhere that I'm not going to be the black guy that dies in this movie. Well, I'm, I'm actually Smart really disappointed man. the bird dies. I, I would have liked this a <laughs> lot more if the bird was the only survivor. If like the new crew comes the next day and the only thing left is the bird and the bird's like, Hey, dickhead shark ate them all shark ate them all. Yeah. You know, what would have been great is if he's, when he's stabbed, I know he gets the wrong shark, but like it would have been great. Like when he stabs him, if the shark would have somehow thrown up the bird and the bird was still perfectly fine and like flies out of the shark's mouth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could have. Yeah. Yeah, the the uh, the characters in this were very interesting. Like uh, talk, talking about the skeleton crew, talking about dumb mistakes. Um, we get we get the guy who we think is going to be our protagonist, right? He's at the very beginning of the movie, and they show him to be like very adept, right? He harpoons the the shark and captures it, and he takes the license plate out of the other shark's mouth. And honestly. Uh, he really didn't do a good job at keeping anybody alive. The the only person that stayed alive really was the person that wasn't with him the whole time. Uh, and uh, you'll see if you watch closely, he like falls down a lot. He's like super clumsy. <laughs> He's like just slipping and sliding all over the place. <laughs> and uh, when when they had their master plan to blow up the shark at the end with the uh, car battery and dynamite. Um <laughs> Like it was, it's just so crazy that, that they're like, Oh, I, I can't see him. And the plan is I'm going to cut my hand and get in the water. I'm like, 
well, this way your plan doesn't work at all. Like <laughs> you guys, you guys aren't the, the best and brightest. You are the skeleton crew. You just know enough <laughs> to keep the lights on. You, you are, you guys are the B team. <laughs> uh, that's, the that's the weekend team. So, um, one thing I, I want to bring up two things with schlock that's been with just horror movies and different things. The cold open. I have two things about that. The first one is, have you ever seen a cold open death thwarted like this before? Like it's the cold open where the shark is killing the teenagers where they've mm-hmm. never seen them before. They're not tied to anyone else in the movie. Right. It's like the beginning of scream. Yeah. That she went to the same school, but like, it's a, it's an isolated incident, but instead yeah. of letting the shark get the kill and we get that jump scare and we get that really fun uh, page one death, right? No, right. the hero comes in and saves the day, establishing that, that he is such a, 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 a bad mofo that like he stopped the, the cold open death scene from happening. Like that's a right. hardcore meta thing to do in a, in a horror movie. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. It's quite, quite the setup, right? Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it happens. I'm sure I've seen it before, but I mean, I think you're right. That it is pretty unique. And it's, well, it's it, a cool way to, Oh, go ahead, Lance. I was gonna say, it's interesting that you bring it up because that's, that's one of the things that I felt like that's one of the things in the movie that I felt like separated it from your traditional type horror mm-hmm. or traditional type, you know, Jurassic Park type thing. That's that's the one of the few things that kind of separated it from all those regular other stereotypes and cliches. And I think it was a good payoff because you're you're going to go into it and be like, you know, there's sharks. You know, people are going to get eaten, but they they thwart that, and then it's like, well, maybe there's not going to be as many deaths as they think, you know. And then you, they mm-hmm. go along. I think they spent a lot of time with the research before they actually got to any of the killing. But I think the payoffs were better in the long run for it. Yeah. yeah, it's just an interesting thing. Okay, so my last question, and then I'll give it over to you guys for the rest of Schlock. They in that cold open, those young, youthful people—I don't want to call them teens. It could be in their twenties. They could be in their thirties. Well, let me just get to my point. They drop a bottle of wine into the ocean, and it attracts a shark. Now that doesn't track. That doesn't make any sense unless it wasn't actually wine. Unless it was a bottle of blood. They're having so some I'm sort of proposing that they are in fact 500 years old and they're vampires. Are the people at the beginning of this movie vampires? Well, I mean, ha- have any of us seen the sequels? Does that come out? I don't know. <laughs> I, I have not watched the sequels and I, I have not read very good reviews about them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well if they don't have vampires, I don't want to see them. Well, I would, I would definitely watch them because I do think this movie lays out a very cool concept of the genetically enhanced sharks. But uh, the the reason that I saw for the uh, for the wine in the water was not because it was blood, but because the shark knew that it let the shark know that there were like people on board. And so it was specific. It gave them, it gave it something specifically to target and reason about like, like a human would. I don't, I don't know if I buy it. That might be a dumb explanation. Well, but. I, I think if you really want to try and keep it within the realm of the actual storyline itself, then it's 
plausible that the shark is smart enough to know what the bottom of a boat looks like and something falling off of the boat would be indicative that there's people there. Right. If they're supposed well, I, to be intelligent as they say, then the shark probably knows what is going on, at least. That well, they're just up there partying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn kids. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the shark motivation, like we always uh, kind of wonder what's the motivation of the bad guy. I think, I think we asked that about Jaws, like why is Jaws doing what, what Jaws is doing? And I think that this was a really great through line of the movie. They're like, what do these ultra smart sharks want? Freedom, right? They're, they're trying to use us to, to get them out of there. And I, and I thought that I, I honestly thought that was brilliant. Um, the beginning of the movie doesn't necessarily um, set that up, set that up. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it, like if that shark gets out, you think it's going to be smart enough to just go on into the deep blue sea. Right. Right. But that it, it is smart to have an actual believable motivation for the, for the monster. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, we've made them super smart and they're trapped and they want freedom. And so they're going to trick us into helping destroy this place to, to get freedom. That is, it is cool. Mm -hmm. Which isn't it ironic that it's a, it's a parallel to Jurassic world at that point where Jurassic world rips off the anonymous Rex from deep blue sea. Right? See, it's, it's all cyclical, man. <laughs> Are you talking about, you're talking about an animal that's, you know, genetically modified. It wants its freedom. And once it's out there, it doesn't necessarily know what to do with its freedom. Right. So like, you know, what Chris just said with, you know, you think that shark's going to know what to do when it's out there. It has no idea what it's like to be free. <laughs> It's just going to eat and be aggressive and destroy shit. And it's got yeah, sure. the freedom to do that if it wants to. That's what being free is, is to do what you want. Yeah. That's eating people or vampires. <laughs> YOLO. Eating vampires. So uh, I, got, I got one last question for you guys. Um, so this movie, it really kind of revitalized the, the shark movie movement. Um, and it has some bad CGI in it. Do you guys think that this movie is what sort of kickstarted the new wave of shark exploitation movies that, that we'll be covering a lot of hopefully next year and the year after that? Uh, right. Bad CGI sharks. All these movies that have that, that same, that same picture of the sharks like swimming towards the camera. Um, <laughs> And it looks terrible. Like, did, did this start that? I mean, Jaws obviously started uh, the idea that sharks can be super scary villains. But is this, is this what bumped that to the next level? I think that because I said in the beginning that the practical special effects were really good with the sharks out of the water um, or in shallow water in some cases. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel that the with the CGI, even though it is bad and like i said it might have been good for the time it just hasn't aged well but i do think it opened the door for a lot of these smaller production companies to go hey we don't necessarily need to make a big mechanical shark in mm -hmm. order to do a shark movie mm -hmm. you know we all know spielberg had such a hard time with jaws trying to make the mechanical shark work deep blue sea is like hey we did this with cgi and that just kind of opened the door, I think, for other 
production companies to look at it and go, well, we could make a movie with just a CGI shark and just, you know, fake yeah. death as it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with, oh, go ahead. No, just uh, CGI and a shark fin. Yeah. I, I agree with Lance. I think one of the things that this did and, and other movies was that you look at how much it makes and then you look at what level of quality the special effects are. And you're like, okay, well, I don't have to make this as good as Jurassic Park to make Jurassic Parkish money. Not, you know, like, like people will spend enough money to make my movie profitable with this mm -hmm. level of CGI. So I don't need to make it this level. Mm -hmm. I can take that money and reinvest it or do a second movie. So I think it showed them that like, there's a certain level of CGI that people will just accept. And if your movie's pretty good, they're still going to go see it and they're still probably going to like it. Mm -hmm. So instead of like trying to raise the bar, they were just like, Oh, that's the bar. I can hit that. Good. Got <laughs> it. Move on. And, yeah. and just, just as a fun fact, since Darby said it, there is an actual movie called bad CGI sharks. That's awesome. Well, and it's I'll a, get there someday. Yeah. It, that might be a next year. It's satirical in the fact that the sharks are legitimately just bad CGI and they're killing everybody. I love it. Uh, I love. So I think we're about ready to wrap up, but first I, I want to, I want to get your guys' last thoughts in case there's anything that, that we didn't hit on that you want to make sure that we hit on before we wrap up. So Chris, what what else do you have, man? What are what are your closing thoughts? I yeah, you know, I don't have anything else. I just want to enter, reiterate three things. This is a fun movie. If you like shark movies, you should see it. Deepest bluest, my head is like a shark's fin. Is a pretty good song. <laughs> and the people in the beginning are not people; they are vampires. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> All right. Ah. ah. Um, I think that's all fair. Lance, what do you have? <laughs> um, I would like to just point out that uh, I really think Thomas Jane is a very underappreciated actor. Um, he yeah. is absolutely one of my favorites. And, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot of um, big blockbusters these days. But the stuff that you can see him in is top notch. He's very good. And this was one of his breakout roles. And I think even this role, even though it wasn't didn't showcase his best acting qualities. It was a good role for him. Mm -hmm. um, and I also want to also want to point out that Michael Rappaport and LL Cool J had some pretty good banter and chemistry uh, in their few scenes, kind of like as a comic relief type thing. So I think mm -hmm. that gets overlooked with everything else that's going on in the movie. And again, Michael Rappaport is another actor that even though his band is very narrow in what he can do, he does it very well. Yeah. He's a good, I don't want to say character actor, but his band's narrow, but he does it really, really good. I agree with all of that, man. That's good points. So uh, I think my last thing is just from reading uh, everything about this movie, I, I learned that if, if everything that you know about sharks is from this movie, then you probably don't know shit about sharks. Uh, <laughs> apparently, 
apparently none of this is right. None of it's uh, factual. None of it, uh, you would fail a marine biology class. And if this is what got you into marine biology, you're screwed. So that, that, that is a great line. <laughs> <laughs> so that is it. That is all the time that we have for today. I think, I think we could probably keep talking about this move for a long time because it is very interesting. Uh, I want to thank Lance for joining us for the fourth time in a row. I want to thank everybody for coming and checking out shark month with us coming up next. Our very last movie of shark month is the Meg. Uh, the Meg two is coming out pretty soon in August. So if you want to get like a good recap uh, going into that, make sure you come and check out the Meg. Make sure you check out our other episodes as well. Uh, let's see, I am Darby Ellis Lewis Wilson. This is Chris Anonymous. Below me is Lance, the obscure movie guy. We've been compelled by Schlocky, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Schlocky, Schlocky, Schlocky.